It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He's T. Frank Carr. And T. Frank, in quarter number one, we were talking about recruiting in general for college football on a national level. That means, of course, the conversation turned to NIL. So, and I often like to talk about this. What do we talk about off the air? We just continued the conversation (laughs) that we were having in quarter number one till we reached a point where I said, T. Frank, let's stop because you're already starting to answer (laughs) the question I was going to have for you. Uh, to start this segment, which, which is this. One of the things, and I'm a huge baseball fan, as our listeners know. And years ago when free agency came, the model was you go throw a lot of money at big names. And yeah. the big names were guys who already reached 30, 31, 32 years old. And they were getting eight, nine, ten-year contracts until someone said, wait a minute, I'm paying this guy for the worst years of his career and yeah. people learned, wait a minute, that's not the smart way to do this. Yeah. Some of them still haven't learned their lesson. But anyway, regardless, what where I'm headed with this is we were talking about Jaden Rashada, the four-star quarterback who signed a, apparently signed a big NIL deal to go to Miami. And you talked about him maybe not being the greatest quarterback and maybe not worth the money being shelled out to him. Well, the fact is, if you look at history, these five-star elite quarterbacks, more often than not, they don't become elite college quarterbacks. So my question is, will teams learn a lesson? Will, say, Jaden Rashada or somebody else get to a school, get paid millions of dollars, and underperform? What's going to be the reaction of those uh, cooperatives who are putting together the money for these guys. Will they keep throwing out eight, nine, ten million dollar contracts to the next guy, or will they say, "Wait a minute, my money would be better spent elsewhere"? I so there's that is that is such a loaded question that I'm gonna have to break it down a little bit. First off, going back to Jaden Rashada specifically, I, I I have watched a little bit of his film when Penn State was interested in him. Uh, and my opinion was uh, what it was. So, I, you know, I can be wrong. So he could work out uh, and he could be a good quarterback. But it, it's just it's it's all about percentages, Jim. Like, I am not a mathematician. I don't understand Moneyball. I understand the large concepts and theories behind these things. But if you were asking me to put together a model, like, unfortunately, I'm not an analytics expert. So I am no I, I am not the future of uh, sports coverage. I am just what I am doing my best here. But it does come down to how many cracks of the bat are you going to take? And this is the conversation I had on my show on Monday with the GM of Success with Honor, Penn State's largest collective, Jason Belzer, as he said, um, he does not believe that what Miami is doing specifically, and they're just the most obvious example. There are other schools that have mega donors that have been doing this for years, even if it was illegal that if John Ruiz does not get his return on his investment or he d- is runs out of money or his company goes bankrupt or, you know, any number of reasons and he stops writing those checks, Miami's dead in the water. They do not have the infrastructure and the uh, institutional um, 
buttressing to be a consistent NIL player outside of one person. My personal fear for uh, the future of college athletics is that what do fans and these guys that are giving money in large donations, they are purely fans here. They're business people, sure, and like you know, they want to get some return on the clout for throwing money at these kids and being... I've said John Ruiz's name more times in the last month than I ever said before because I never knew who the hell he was. So, like, there is a value in just that of knowing who he is for for these rich people that are doing this. But that's the same thing that an owner gets in the NFL. And that's my concern is if this perpetuates, what you might have is a, co- a consolidation, once again, of the aggregate into the, uh, uh, the hands of the few. And you will have a guy like John Ruiz. Let's, again, just use this example. Jaden Rashada doesn't work out. Some of the other players don't work out on the football team. Most fans, regardless of anything, just blame the coach. They don't care about the extenuating circumstances. It is a get it, get the job done or get out. And there's they don't care about any of the facts or details. They just care about the result. Even if like what we talked about is like you know I have concerns about profiles of certain players, maybe even some that Florida will get. And then. You've got these mega donors that can just close the door on their donations. And does the university fire the coach? Does the athletic director say, hey, man, my hands are tied. We need that money to compete. So you got to go. That's my concern. Now, that's a very dystopian future. I don't know that it would get to that point, but it could. I mean, look at Texas. Texas did that for years with Charlie Strong and all the other coaches that went through there that had like three years and then were fired because they didn't meet the Texas standard. So you can have dysfunction because of money. All of these things are possible. Uh, I've started. I, I have now reached the point of talking about this very complicated situation that I totally forgot what your original question was. It was about uh, the players not being worth the money. So ultimately, yes, it's not necessarily about the individual player because it's still recruiting. It's about getting the highest number of quality at- hits at the bat, you know, uh, attempts at the plate. You want to get as many good players as possible so that the ones that don't work out because humans are complex organisms, you have enough to make up for that. It's the it's the advantage that Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and for a time Clemson had 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 is because they were getting more of the best chances. And other organizations, other teams, they weren't able to get the guys that were the biggest, the fastest, the strongest to develop because some guys just don't develop. T. Frank, I do want to respond to one part of what you said, which is when mentioning the coaches as potentially the fall guys, if things don't go well, I have no sympathy for them. If you want to pay me $8 million a year with the threat of if I don't win 10 games, you're going to fire me, but but my buyout to get rid of me is $20 million, Mm-hmm. I'll take that job and I'll take the risk. It's why I oh, so I'm not saying I'm not saying feel bad for the coaches. I'm saying if you're a fan, institutional stability is important. So if you find a guy that is pretty good, only one team can win every year. So again, going back to it, are you going to be the one team every year? Even at, like again, even Alabama sometimes loses. So are you going to be Alabama? The the the, the 
the likelihood of that is low. So if you have a disappointing season and you fire the coach and you start over, institutionally you now have instability, and that causes problems. That's an opportunity for transfers. That's an opportunity to get worse, to have bring in a coach that doesn't understand the player that was recruited. He might not fit the new scheme. He not might not do X, Y, and Z. And when you underperform that year for real football reasons, there's, again, no excuse. And this, this cycle of no excuse is unsustainable and stupid. But, you know, it is what it is because I, I understand what you're saying of you're not feeling bad for the guy who's getting fired because he's very well compensated. But for – and I'm always looking for, like, if you're a fan and you want to win, what's the best possible path forward? Stability is important. It is important. Tied into that, T. Frank, and we're probably going off on a tangent here a little bit, but it's an interesting topic, is making smart decisions – it isn't always about throwing money at a problem. Yeah. It's why, and again, I use baseball as an analogy, and we're in Pennsylvania, so I think a lot of people will appreciate this. If you're a Pittsburgh Pirate fan, you complain because your organization isn't spending the money, and that's yeah. why you lose all the time. Meanwhile, there's this team in Florida called the Tampa Bay Rays who make even less money and pay less money, but they find a way to win. Now, they yeah. may not be winning World Series, but they're a playoff team quite consistently. And that's being smart in how you manage your resources, which tying this back into this money going to NIL. And, you know, Miami chose to spend, allegedly, $9.5 million on a quarterback. My question is, are we going to start reaching the point where there's this strategy, just like in professional sports, where... I could spend $9.5 million for a big-name quarterback, mm -hmm. or I could take a million dollars and give it to nine different players and yeah. get a really good wide receiver, a really good left tackle, a really good defensive end, and maybe not the five-star quarterback, but a pretty darn good quarterback for a million dollars. Is Are we going to reach that point where you got to have a strategy on how to spend your money. Well, when that day comes, I will have my resume ready, and I will apply to be a GM of a college football team. But again, the problem is there's no cap. So there's no... The only thing that's limiting you is your imagination or your resources. So sure, you could say, I'm going to spend a million dollars here and $500,000 here, and then some other school is going to say, well, I don't care what you have. I'm going to spend a million dollars minimum on every position. And then you go, well, okay, thanks for playing. And, and that is a, a possibility of the future. Um, I don't, again, my, my, my personal dystopic view of the future is what happens when Jeff Bezos reals, realizes that there's value here and he can, he can essentially buy a college team. Like, is, are they ever going to be for sale? Are they going to be uncoupled from institutions, uh, you know, of higher learning? How is that going to go? Because the possibilities right now are endless. There is no structure, there's no governing body, there are just the individual institutions and their way of doing business. So, are there going to be, like, you know, we all see the way capitalism ends, you've got four companies that own everything. So are there going to be four, four universities that are the only ones competing? Is it going to be like soccer where there's relegation? Like, who knows? We don't know what the future is, but what it is, is it's certainly not the past. That is done. There's no going back to that particular model. And that's obvious. And in the last minute we have, can they rein it in? Can there be some controls coming from either the NCAA 
a new entity maybe of the Power Five, or is this, God forbid, federal government stepping in and placing some rules? So, so uh, you know, God forbid the federal government does something. They have done it in the past. They have they have made these decisions in the past. Again, they've done it in the past. Are we going to agree on anything right now? I don't know. Um, but no, it can't come from anywhere else but the federal government because it is the government. It is the uh, it is the uh, the legislative branch. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the judicial branch that struck down the laws or the, the, the rules for the NCAA at a state and national level. So it's only those people that can then reinstitute what is legal in this situation because right now the precedent is nothing is legal. No regulation is legal right now. And again, not to get pseudo-political, but that's kind of the way that things are going with the, leg- with, the, with, uh, with the Supreme Court is that things are being deregulated, not regulated. All right, T. Frank, I'm sure this won't be the last conversation we have on the topic, but that's it for quarter number two. Stick around quarter number three. We ask T. Frank. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com.